0: chapter in the continuing star wars saga the empire strikes back now in our galaxy the empire strikes back back to whose filmography is it anyway folks where the points are just like uh luke and leia's incestuous relationship um this week we cover the big granddaddy sequel uh the empire strikes back and our journey of star wars thank you for joining us as always as always i'm your co-host and friend josh page and with me as always my co-host and friend steve molina
1: Bum, 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 bum,
0: bum, bum. Oh, Stephen, we made it. This is a good milestone.
1: This is uh crazy. I don't think uh, we've ever tackled a movie that I love so much, which is yeah. strange to say cuz uh, we uh, we've covered a lot of movies that I love.
0: Yes, but we uh, not quite ones that require, you know, the lube and the and the tissues and the
1: yeah. I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous to tackle this one because this, I, you know, it's just, again, there's a lot to tackle, but I don't want uh, my reverence to be buried either.
0: This is also, uh, I don't know, this one is also, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to speak, I'll just speak for myself, but it also kind of feels more personal than the other ones, I guess, because of, I, I so personally, you know, uh, come to not just defend this movie, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It's this a, time it, it's, a, it's
1: personal this
0: time it's personal i mean yes for lack of better words but i mean obviously we're gonna you know dive into all of it so we're gonna do the best we can in uh out of uh how whatever respects we can and we're hopefully gonna do it justice so um if you want to uh just jump yeah. right into it you let me know
1: so. so let's just jump right into all the production pre-production all that jazz so this time
0: this time. this time it's
1: personal now <laughs> uh after the success of star wars lucas was riding high you know that's like a pretty big deal most successful movie of, ever i mean not if you take inflation into account then it's still gone with the wind which okay. you know the less we can talk about that movie the better anyway um lucas is riding high uh <laughs> And of course, he got the rights, as we discussed last time, to the sequels, full rights. But Lucas was terrified and enchanted with coming back. He was terrified because the film was supposed to be a darker and more expansive. And more importantly, now there was a fan base who, as Lucas described, would chase him with their plastic lightsabers if he got it wrong.
0: (laughs) So it begins.
1: But by the same note, he was excited because he got to expand the galaxy that he created. So how often do you really get that opportunity, especially back then? This was the first time that this something of this magnitude really
0: happened. Well, this was the first, I mean, just to go off of what you're saying, this is the, the first time that a, a small idea i mean like start the original star wars was a big idea but he, they can only do so much with the runtime and with what they had with to 11 able,
1: million dollars yeah,
0: right to be able to say like hey here's kind of like a taste of what i wanted to to te- what the, the world i wanted to show you and now this is the first time in chronological history of star wars that they're like oh but there's so much more and so that's a big kind of like to go to, into that for the first time i think it's just kind of like a big deal.
1: George Lucas was a comic book reader as a child, so only a comic book reader can really conceptualize at this moment what an expanded universe looks like. You, for the first time in a movie history, are not just telling what's happening on Tatooine, but you have to think about what's happening on Coruscant at the exact same time. It's a universe, which we take for granted now, uh, because we're just inundated with universes, but you know cinematic universes star wars marvel oh I mean, we're completely qu- spoiled qu- quasi dc i mean <laughs> i don't know um but we're no absolutely with them. but back then this is a brand new concept so yeah under the pressure lucas made two very big decisions he opted out of directing and he uh decided he's going to focus on the producing and writing but he's going to get writing partners because he wrote an original draft for this movie and it was deemed illegible. (laughs) To quote Harrison Ford, George, you can write this shit, but you don't have to say it. That's that's the problem he was running into. So he brought in Lawrence Kasdan and Leah Brackett. Uh, For those who do not know, we mentioned Lawrence Kasdan back in the solo episode, but he was brought in On this movie he came back for return of the jedi uh the force awakens he wrote solo he also did the indiana jones movies but he famously did not come back for the prequels i think i mentioned that like when we were doing the prequels but him and george Mm -hmm. did not see eye to eye on where that story was going so he decided to opt out as for the director george went to irving kershner who was his professor back at USC, uh, University of Southern California. Uh, Not a very famous director. Uh, He did a lot of indie movies, a lot of, uh, you know, melodramas, which helped this movie a lot, I think. But this is the first big movie, but not the last. His next movie was actually the Bond movie, Never Say Never Again, with Sean Connery. He also did Robocop, too but we don't need to talk about
0: uh, well the RoboCop sequels are good, all kinds of I'm woof but uh, yeah. it's interesting that they got someone who wasn't that they intentionally didn't want to get someone who was like a household name I think that kind of would have changed the direction that these movies may have gone in because I, it's like it's almost tempting to go with you know I mean I know he was working with um, you know Coppola and uh, you know other people at the time but it's kind of I think I like the fact that Irving Kirshner was kind of like, not a nobody, but he really wasn't known for for big things. Well, to your
1: point, it's weird that at this moment, Lucas wouldn't have tapped one of his good friends, the movie brats, you know? He did try that. We'll get to it next week, but for Return of the Jedi, he did try and get big uh, current directors. But you would think The Empire Strikes Back, you would broach uh spielberg he was friends with he was friends with spielberg De Palma, at the time De Palma, or any of those or guys even coppola although yeah. coppola had just come back and was like <laughs> recuperating from apocalypse now he was burnt out to shit. he was a shell of a man <laughs> so it, understandably coppola was out of commission but um you know it's interesting but kirschner when he got the call originally said no he said no i'm not i'm not doing this george but then he called his agent and his agent lambasted saying that it's the mo- it's a golden opportunity. Like this is literally the opportunity of a lifetime. Star Wars was the biggest movie ever. What the fuck are you doing you big dumb idiot? <laughs> and uh, Kirshner rescinded his no, obviously. So let's get into filming because I don't want to spend too much time on pre-production. Mm-hmm. Filming. It started in Fins, uh, F-I-N-S-E, Norway. I apologize if I cannot uh, if I mispronounce that. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, F-N-S-E, you know. it's.
1: <laughs> so when they got there, the they were getting hit with the hardest winter they've had in years, <laughs> which means it was really, really cold. It was so cold that Luke wandering through the planet of Hoth they actually filmed from inside the hotel. They only sent Mark Hamill out into the cold. They shot so, <laughs> from inside the hotel.
0: So I have the note here on IMDb. When shooting a location in, in, in fence, a fierce snowstorm had hit the hotel where they were staying, which normally, uh, uh, w- would have halted filming but kirschner thought that these weather conditions were an excellent opportunity to film the scene where luke wanders through the snow of hoth after escaping the wampa cave and did this by sending Hamill outside into the cold where he and the cameraman stayed inside and filmed from the hotel's front hall <laughs> <laughs> what
1: most people don't know is when mark when mark hamel falls in the movie saying ben Ben, he, what he was actually saying, that was ADR. What he was actually saying was, get me out of this cold, motherfucker. <laughs> Irvin, Irvin.
0: Saving. That's actually real. The, the frost on his eye, eyelids, that's real. Er, uh, sure. But a, a quick Kirsh- another quick Kirshner and Hamill bit is apparently Mark Hamill is instructed to bang his head. And ended up having to do so 16 times on the ceiling of Yoda's hut before Kirshner was satisfied with the take. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, let's get into, uh, you know, after they film in Norway. Um, they moved to back to L Street in London. And Kirshner proved himself to be a very, very slow director. He was going real slow. He would take hours just talking to the actors and he would do multiple takes to get the lines perfect. You know you know the famous I know line mm-hmm. that was improvised.
0: Oh yeah I know they shot I love... that
1: sequence like 30 times I where, love that history. Yeah where Harrison Ford said I love you back to Leia and it never worked. Yeah. Until they switched it up and he said I know and Kirshner was like we got it. Wait. <laughs> we
0: got it Meanwhile, you know, Carrie Fisher is swinging a baseball bat, you know, up the steps, you know, while he's got the camera and he's like, she's like, I don't understand this has nothing to do with the movie. Why are we shooting in the hotel? he's like, don't worry about it. We must do 400 takes of this.
1: Well, what's funny is this is like different (laughs) movie history. The Shining is filming simultaneously with The Empire Strikes Back. A year later, Spielberg takes over building the that The Shining was shot in for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, really? Yeah, which is where they met. That's funny. uh, Back to this movie. Dagobah. The soundstage had to be uh, intricately laid out. They needed to create a maze for Frank Oz to go through underneath. And then they had to lay the floor with extra concrete and flooded the facility. They strewed it with moss, planted it everywhere. They used dry ice constantly to release the fog and even put reptiles throughout the entire set, which Mark Hamill was not told about in advance. <laughs> Mark Hamill uh, literally saw it move on set and was like, what the fuck is happening?
0: I love the idea of Kirshner just playing tricks on Hamill and just constantly like putting him through the ringer. Like, all right, we're gonna have a giant, we're gonna put a giant iguana on your lap, kid. And you're just gonna like it, you know? We're not gonna tell you it's there, but we're just gonna dump it on your lap. Well, I don't think
1: that this was a particularly fun movie to to make um, from all that I've been reading about. Uh, Let's, Mark Hamill was kind of, we'll get into the actors in a little bit, but let's get into the real controversy here. The budget. At one point, this budget ballooned to 22 million pounds. Lucas, who was in California at the time, was freaking out the entire filming of this movie because the budget just kept going up and up. And he blamed Gary Kurtz, who was the producer in London. Because it just kept expanding, Bank of America pulled all their funding. They're the ones who funded this movie because Lucas got all rights to uh, the sequels. So he wanted to fund it all by himself, no 20th Century Fox, because he wanted total control over everything that was happening. What happened was Bank of America pulled all their funding and Lucasfilm president, Charlie Webster, had to go to the First National Bank in Boston and beg for $25 million of debt, which Lucas paid, uh, promised to pay it all back. He promised, like, if I have to, I'll, I'll do whatever I have to to pay this back the budget kept going up so ultimately this led uh lucas to having to go crawling back to fox where he had to kiss lad's boot and they gave him 33 million dollars the loan was paid back within three months after the initial release so not uh too bad in the payback
0: that, yeah
1: it, it's crazy to think that a star wars movie would have so many budgeting issues
0: right i think that they couldn't foresee at the time just how even though the first one was enormous that they couldn't foresee you know how big it you know because it was it was a gamble you know what i mean if the movie was terrible or it fell apart and it didn't do well who knows if how star wars history would have even continued you know what i mean if the movie bombed both critically and you know financially it's kind of like it creates this idea of you know, what could have happened if they put all this money into it and then it just turned out to not work. So yeah. it's very interesting because that's the top note is that Lucas wanted to avoid sharing creative rights. He wanted to use, uh, he, he wanted to bankroll the whole thing himself and that's where 18 million he put in and then he went to the bank loan and they say that's, uh, although the move was risky, Lucas recovered his investment within three months of the movie's release. So I can only imagine for that period of time, he like he was probably just sweating. <laughs> yeah,
1: because if this didn't work out, he would be paying oh, off man. loans for the rest of his life. He'd still be <laughs> paying off those loans, just like everyone pays off student loans for the rest oh, of their lives. Oh, God. Uh, but Lucas, as I said, was uh, in California while the filming of this movie was taking place. He was overseeing the v- uh, visual effects with ILM because this movie was doing things that no movie had ever done before. Uh, it, it's actually leaps and bounds ahead of what we get in A New Hope, which was already leaps and bounds ahead of what had come before, except for maybe 2001 A Space Odyssey. Sure. The 80s, the um, just the Imperial fleet, the Rebel fleet, everything was just just crazy intense a lot of what they did actually laid the foundation for the for future movies including Jurassic Park which is crazy a lot of the team who worked on this movie worked on Jurassic
0: Park oh really that's cool
1: ILM wise um, the actors actor so mark hamill was in a bad car accident in 1978 uh, 77 to 78 one of the, i don't remember exactly but when he got into the car accident, his face was slightly altered. And the only reason I bring this up is because there is a debate, even to today, about whether or not the Empire Strikes Back put the wampa in the movie to explain away why, why Luke's face looks different. Hamill says that they intentionally did it. Lucasfilm says we would never do anything that insensitive. So I don't know who to believe.
0: That's really interesting because knowing how filmmakers get like the inside of the heads of the certain filmmakers and, I, and you know that like some of these people, especially back in the day, it's kind of like things flew back then that would never would today. But I also like don't think it's much of a stretch for them to make that decision. And then for Mark Hamill, be like, oh yeah, they did this. And I'd be like, no, 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 we would never because like they're an enormous company. But... <laughs> Like, that's actually kind of, I mean, it's cruel, but, like, I, I, it's not unrealistic in the film. No,
1: it's very strange, though. Um, <laughs> Mark Hamill, poor Mark Hamill, this entire movie. He, he, he was physically exhausted by the filming process. You know, they tr- made him trudge out into the snow. He's working with reptiles he didn't know about. He's doing all this training on Dagobah, like, oh. literally, like, doing the handstands and the shit that they have Luke doing.
0: I mean, apparently, I mean, with the exception of him being sucked out of the window in Cloud City, Mark Hamill apparently did all of his own stunts.
1: Yeah. And he got, he was constantly frustrated by the Dagobah shoot too, because he could never hear what Frank Goss was saying underneath the stage.
0: So... (laughs) So that's a, there's a note about that when Hamill was having trouble with the Dagobah scenes with Yoda, Frank Oz would bring in Miss Piggy to make him laugh. So I don't know if it's just that he was doing a Miss Piggy voice over Yoda because he was Miss Piggy, but or or, or if he actually he had, to, or if he brought the puppet. But I think it's funny. I like this idea that, like I said. Like I said, with um, like di- like Disney, like our Disney show, with, like the behind the scenes would make its own sitcom. Like if the sitcom is like behind the scenes of Star Wars, that like in this whole episode, it's just Mark Hamill just being tortured, and that's just this whole thing of torment. It's just him being beaten to the ground, like and you know, yeah. that's what it seems like.
1: <laughs> he got run through the ringer, and uh, yeah, I I can't imagine having <laughs> to act with a puppet. The we haven't got. We'll get to it when we cover last jedi but even frank oz kind of warned ryan johnson like are you, you you sure you want to bring back the puppet like <laughs> you know how much work this is gonna be um carrie fisher and harrison ford were both going through personal messes at the time harrison ford was uh getting divorced carrie fisher was just going through like her wild years, oh man yeah or just starting her wild years no offense I, Love Carrie Fisher and she, but she even she would be the first to admit that she did a lot of fucked up,
0: crazy oh, you, stuff as a kid. Yeah, I mean we talked about it last week how she's, um, you know, she's she's got all she has a history of of all kinds of problems. So yeah,
1: well rumor is Fisher and Ford were banging on. During the filming of this
0: movie, show. I think she said that during her stand-up. She was like, "Oh yeah, you know that Harry, you know what?" She said something like, "Oh yeah, Harry and I, you know, whatever. We had a thing, you know, during one of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, you know, whatever." And she like yeah. it was. She said it so brazenly, but like it was one of those things that it was like, "Oh okay." <laughs> I,
1: I, from what I can tell, they they probably were banging on the set, but it wouldn't <laughs> shock me if she also banged Billy D. Williams on the set too. Um, but they were going crazy with partying too. Famously, they would party all night long with the Rolling Stones and Monty Python <laughs> because they're filming in London. And this is the high point of both the Monty Python and the Stones. There was one night that they were out the entire night, came into the set, hung over a shit with zero hours of sleep. And they had to shoot the scene of be of meeting Lando again for the first time, which is crazy. So if uh, Harrison Ford looks and Carrie Fisher look dead, that's why. I think it looked fine though.
0: That's so funny.
1: So finally, let's talk about the twist because I don't I don't know if anyone knew, but there's a big twist in this movie.
0: <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert!
1: George Lucas was terrified of plot leaks like terrified it was kept very very secret only the director the writers james earl jones and mark hamill were told hamill was told the night before the film was the sequence was shot uh james earl jones read the line he didn't believe it but he read it david prowess who was the body of darth vader was famously not told because he was a notorious leaker, according to George Lucas. (laughs) He would go out drinking and just like tell everyone what was going on. Oh God. Prowess was told the line was Obi-Wan is your father, (laughs) which, okay, cool. (laughs) And apparently Harrison Ford was sitting next to Mark Hamill at the premiere of this movie And when Darth Vader says the line, Ford turned to Hamill and said, you didn't tell me that. (laughs) Before the sequence was put into the movie, though, George Lucas uh, consulted with a child psychologist to ensure that kids could handle the twist. The psychologist said that it would kind of go over kids' heads. They would hear it, but they wouldn't believe it, which is why Yoda had to be put in the next movie, to confirm that Darth Vader truly is Luke's father because only until they got that confirmation from Yoda will they truly believe it which pretty crazy
0: yes it's i guess it would be very surreal for someone at the time yeah
1: well it's kind of crazy to me cuz like Yoda's been lying for years and now these kids are going to believe it
0: <laughs> his little lying puppet ass his lying puppet ass
1: miss piggy Ass.
0: <laughs> Oh, my God.
1: All right. That's all I got. You ready to get into the movie?
0: Yeah, let's jump into it.
1: It is a dark time for the Rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the Rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreading Imperial Starfleet, a group of Freedom Fighters led by Luke Skywalker has in, has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. You know why Luke found the planet of Hoth open and vacant? Because who the fuck would want to live there? <laughs>
0: On the on the blizzard planet, you mean? Come on. <laughs> hey, does anyone want ice? <laughs> yeah. And look, more ice.
1: Oh, they should have called it cold. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Oh, this is good. All right. <clears throat> Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill, doing patrol on Hoth, sees an Imperial probe crash, though he believes it to be a meteor. <laughs> what a what a moron la, 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 la. en route he is attacked by a wampa and dragged away also uh you know abominable snowman or a yeti for in layman's terms
1: it is a yeti essentially
0: <laughs> back at echo base han harrison ford tells the general that he must pay his debt to jabba the hut in the hall leia carrie fisher says we need you Han quickly retorts, we or I. Hours later, Han receives word that Luke never made it back to base and decides to go looking for him in the cold night on the Tauntaun. Luke awakens, dangling upside down in the Wampus cave. He reaches out with the force to grab his lightsaber. Once in hand, he slashes his way uh, free and runs out into the snowy abyss. Bad uh,
1: Bad options. Why don't you just kill the Wampa and stay in the fucking cave?
0: Well, I, I was gonna say, I mean, I, mean, I know he's running on an adrenaline and he's new to this whole thing, but come on, guy. You gotta have some... This His fight or flight is really... You don't fight and then flight, you know? Come on. You gotta, there's gotta be a better way to do this.
1: He's still not a Jedi master.
0: Um, <laughs> in, a, in a hypothermic fever, uh, Luke sees Ben Kenobi, Alec Guinness. Ben, you will go to the Degobar system. Degobar. System. There, you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. Man, first appearance as a Force ghost.
1: First appearance of a Force ghost. I, in
0: I, yeah, I guess it's at this point it's a vision. You don't really see. It's just a quick little vision. You see him come well, back later, but
1: yeah, until episode six you really don't understand what a force ghost is because right, this could be although actually no it, later on in this movie we see force ghost uh, ben he appeared appear,
0: right but this is the first but right now first, yes. you don't
1: know if it's like hallucination or if it's um exactly you will go to the Dagobah
0: system <laughs> come back and go to numbers <laughs> all right <clears throat> uh, Dagobah Ben Irving Dagobah Get me out of this shit. i so, and I can't get up. It's so cold. It's so cold. <laughs> to, save, to save Luke, Han cuts open his tauntaun. Oh. What is that smell, On
1: the outside.
0: On the outside. Oh my god. On <laughs> the outside. The next, the next day, the rebels bring them back to Echo Base. Leia checks on Luke to make Han jealous and kisses him.
1: This movie is actually funnier than, we, than I remember it being just us going over it a lot more quick lines than i
0: there and i'll touch as always i'll touch on the little final thoughts a little early but it's like it's one of the only star wars movies i think from beginning to finish that has a natural flow with like its dialogue and it's like it's comedy like it doesn't nothing feels truly forced or, or or like overly corny like everything about it just works like, yeah. it just feels like, oh, this is what Star Wars is supposed to feel like. And it's almost never really felt that way again.
1: This is the only... We'll get into what I'm going to say. But later. anyway, but Let that's what I... On.
0: But we'll going with what you're saying about the comedy and stuff, like, yeah, it's all very natural. It's very... But anyway. Even Black-Varied
1: gets a couple of singers in this one. We'll, we'll talk Vader. about them later.
0: Speaking of Vader, David Proust slash James Earl Jones looks out on his Imperial fleet. Behind him, Captain Piet. Piet, That's Captain Piet. Kenneth Gawley informs uh, Admiral Ozo, uh, Ozo Ozel. I, like, Come on, I can do this. I'm a, I am pretend to be a fan. I can do this. Informs Admiral Ozel, Michael uh, Sheard, of a probe droid that went missing on Hoth. Vader insists that Skywalker is there. When they arrive on the planet, the rebel shields are up. Vader blames this on Ozel, telling uh, General Veers, Julian Glover, to prepare... Who is
1: in Game of Thrones, for those who do not know. he's wow, really? Grand Maester Pycelle, who oh, is a repugnant. Nice crazy ridiculous person in that wow. show
0: wow good for good for them good good he's on also them.
1: in uh, uh last crusade he's the villain in last crusade
0: no starbucks cups in last crusade though
1: no star he's the one there's, who drinks the wrong
0: cup there's the starbucks cup in the in the game of thrones right you know that last oh yeah, yeah yeah i gotcha <laughs> i'm no, making a bad i'm making a bad joke okay uh, General Veers uh, prepares his men for attack. He then kills Ozzel and pr- Promotes uh, pi- uh, is it Piet or Piet or yeah. Piet? Poul po- and promotes Piet to admiral. But
1: see, this is one of those like funny moments where it's like obviously a very dark, humorous moment. But he's like, you know, he kills someone, and right in the same moment, like in the same breath, literally, is like, "You are in command now, Admiral Piet." And even before, it's, he tells General Veers that Ozzel is as clumsy as he is stupid, you know?
0: It's Really, they're just taking cheap shots here. They just don't they don't give a shit. He is as um,
1: clumsy as he is stupid.
0: The rebel transports make it out. The Battle of Hoth is a complete disaster. The Imperials sick their ats against the rebel ground troops. The only thing that can take down the walkers is the harpoon grapple. I think it's the only time that ever really appears, the harpoon grapple.
1: In that we know of, yeah,
0: yeah, which is uh, yeah,
1: that, that that's a pretty big
0: defect that you got I there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Imper- Imperials, including Vader, enter Echo Base. Han Imperials,
1: have Leia- entered the base. Imperials, Vader.
0: Han, <laughs> <laughs> Leia, Chewie, Peter Mayhew, and C-3PO, Anthony Daniels, get away in the Millennium Falcon. R2-D2, Kenny Baker, picks. So many of these people are dead. Uh, picks up, picks Luke up on the on the battlefield in his X-wing. Surprisingly, uh, surprising R2, Luke sets course for Dagobah. You will go to the Dagobah will system. will go to the Dagobah system.
1: The Falcon is being pursued by Vader's Super Star Destroyer. It's not even a Star Destroyer. It's super. It's massive. It's itch very bigly. Um, unable to jump to light speed, Han flies into an asteroid field. Beers walks in on a helmetless Vader with a status update. Vader forces the Empire to search through the asteroid field. Luke and R2 crash land into the swamps of Dagobah after setting up camp as they come across a little creature.
0: Like we're being watched. Oh, wait, what you weapon. I mean you no know, harm. Huh? I am wondering, why are you
1: here? I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. Hmm? <laughs> Exuberantly, the creature responds Yoda, you seek Yoda. He promises to take Luke to Yoda after they eat. Back on the Falcon, Han, Chewie, and C-3PO attend to the repairs. In a tight room, Han and Leia's sexual tension explodes into a kiss that is interrupted by C-3PO. Again, a f- hilarious moment.
0: It is great. But
1: this is the only time in any of the Star Wars movies that I think that the romance like truly works.
0: I think we've talked about that, and I will talk... We'll talk more about it about yeah, what I, works in this at just thinking
1: about all the other ones none of them work at all it not never, even relo like maybe never, in episode eight it kind of worked but episode nine killed any of it
0: well we'll we'll obviously touch on more of it but please yeah. we'll uh <laughs> uh
1: on the superstar destroyer vader's audience is requested by the emperor vader kneels
0: what is thy bidding
1: my master the emperor now ian mcdermott i'm talking our, about the our boy yeah, but I just wanted to say I'm talking about the new Lucas cuts, I'm not talking about the old,
0: the old lady chesses
1: that, yeah, the old lady with the boils and the now monkey and the
0: <laughs> that's crazy history. I want to just pause for a moment. That in the original cut on the VHS tapes, the way this movie was originally screened, it the, the body actor was an old lady or was an animal or it was a.
1: I didn't do too much investigation because I didn't know we were going to talk about it. But from what I remember, it was the, it, it, an old lady was the shoe-in, but they put the eyes of a monkey on top of her. And then they dubbed it with a man, with a male voice.
0: Now, that's what I wanted to, to ask is, did you know that if the original voice was in McDermott, did they just bring him in after the fact for the they new voice They brought edits? him
1: in, for episode six, McDermott was not the original voice. Otherwise, they probably would have just kept that in. But they redubbed the entire sequence. And they even changed the verbiage, which I th- you could either look at it two different ways. You can either look at it as like it doesn't work, or you can look at it as the way I do, which is that both Vader and the Emperor, both Sith Lords, are lying to one another. Right. You know? Because Vader, at this point, clearly knows that Luke is his son. So he's lying to his master. And the Emperor kind of knows, but is not going to call him out on it.
0: This thing is crazy. If you Google it, the original Emperor. Yeah. (laughs) It's wild. Anyway, I just didn't know because I know that that's a big deal to bring Ian McDermott. and obviously kept it in continuity purpose to bring him back to the prequels. So
1: Yeah. So anyway, the Emperor, Ian McDermott, has come to believe that the boy who blew up the Death Star is the son of Anakin Skywalker. Vader plays dumb, asking how it was possible. Sensing a threat, the Emperor wants Luke killed. Vader insists that he can be turned.
0: Ooh, the table. My, how the tables are turning. My, how the turntables are turning. <laughs> um, yes, yes, Vader can be turned, yes. Luke's patience wears out and insists that... The creature can take him to Yoda. The creature face. The creature's face drops. I cannot teach him. Ben's voice pervades the air. It dawns on Luke that this creature is Yoda, played by the one and only Frank Oz. Yoda deems that Luke to be reckless and impatient. To sway Yoda, Luke says that he is not afraid. Dead eyes. <laughs> Dead eyed Yoda says, "You will be. You will be."
1: Now, <laughs> now that it's been kind of revealed, let's talk about Yoda for a minute sure this is george lucas's biggest like gamble and he said it or in his mind this was his biggest gamble for what the puppet
0: yeah or the the yoda in general
1: yoda in general how we talked about this in the phantom menace 2 how jar jar was his big gamble of the day and that one did not pay off this is what jar jar like had Yoda gone wrong, it would have been a Jar Jar situation. Oh, but of because course. it was the second movie, it would have ended the entire franchise. You know, Jar Jar, we're willing to put up with because it's technically the fourth movie in the Star Wars universe. But
0: we've already if, seen, we've already seen you know, silly creatures and yeah, exactly. people crack jokes and stuff. So
1: if Yoda had failed, it would have been the end. You're talking about a puppet that's three. Uh, three feet high, and is supposed to be the wisest and strongest creature in, the, or known creature in the galaxy. This could have gone real bad real quick, and right. you're getting the voice of Miss Piggy. You know, the people easily could have been like, "This is just a muppet." So,
0: I mean, Yoda is only a couple shades away from being a, a real muppet. Like, they gave him like enough features with the wrinkles and the hair that it's like it's it's you can buy into it enough. And yet, like, you watch this movie, and it's, this is a very different Yoda from the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, this We don't have to make a whole discussion about this, but it's really just, when you look at the Yoda you're used to chronologically as this, I mean, not just the look of him as eventually became full CGI, but just, like, the fact that he was this uh, kind of, the wise old mentor. And here it's kind of like, it's this batty old, you know, creature who's, like, you know, trying to cook and, you know, you know bonking people over the head with this with a, with a you know? <laughs> thing yeah but i also think that's the irony as to what makes yoda work is it's this idea that he's so powerful and so why little green pup i think it's like it's like you said it's a gamble that works that you know if it didn't who knows how the franchise would have spawn. yeah
1: well one of the biggest factors and what lucas fixated on more than anything was yoda's eyes his eyes had to be perfect and the basis for his eyes was actually albert einstein so, that's really funny which once you see that you can't unsee that that's actually Even really though funny. yoda tells you you must unlearn everything you've learned but <laughs> once you learn that you really it's hard to unsee
0: it's a, it it's a kooky character
1: yeah
0: i mean that's the thing Einstein that's a it's a great Comparison, because Einstein, you know, you know that famous picture of him with his tongue out, like he looks like a goon, and yet, you know, he's one of the most, you know, brilliant minds in history. So yeah, so uh, let's get always. back
1: into it. Yes, lay in the cockpit is startled by a Minoc. Han goes outside to do some investigating. He shoots the ground, and the entire cave rumbles. Quickly, he loads everyone onto the ship, and they take off. The cave isn't a cave at all; it's an exogorth, which. You know, not the best effect.
0: <laughs> space worm for layman, yeah. in layman's terms.
1: Yeah, space worm. But the space worm's fine. That one looks more like a puppet than anything else. That they oh yeah,
0: know. I I I love. I would I will always take even the cheap puppets over the CGI. That's yeah. just me though.
1: Luke's training has begun, and as he runs through the planet with Yoda on his back, tired, Luke puts his master down and asks questions. Specifically, is the dark side stronger? Yoda emphatically says no, just more seductive. From a nearby cave, the cold pole of the dark side calls to Luke. Against Yoda's wishes, Luke goes into the cave carrying weapons. From the darkness, Vader emerges. Luke decapitates him. The helmet lands on the ground and explodes, revealing Luke's face back at him. Let's talk about this sequence because this is like what scared me more than like even the twist when I was a little kid. The frame rate is obviously different. Luke's decapitated head staring right back at you was like really creepy. Altogether, great sequence. What do you? Think?
0: Uh, it's gonna come up later. I don't want to spoil, uh, you know. Later, well, I'll dive into it a little more later. But um, it's it's one of the only times that the tone of the this movie really changes. Because yep. yes, this is a more serious and dramatic story, but it's obviously like going for way more comical beats that work, like if it's lighthearted, but it also like, it's also bracing you for what's dark. And this moment is one of those things. It's like, it's part of the hero's journey. And it's like, um the fact that it comes to fruition the way it does, like you said, even the way it's shot, even with the slow motion. And it's just so, I guess like, you were saying a like we're so desensitized to seeing like big universes and stuff. So like even something like this may not seem like a big deal now, but in watching it, it's just like, it's this very quick, slow moment, like slow motion and Luke beheads Vader. And it's just kind of like, it's like surprising. And then the head, the face. Yeah.
1: Well, the first time I know, you see it, you don't understand what is happening because Vader just magically showed up on this planet and you're like, oh my god, it's Vader! Oh my god, Luke just killed Vader! And yeah. then the head explodes, and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously a metaphor, which I think Ryan Johnson in Episode Eight wonderfully mirrored. M- mirrored, literally, it was a mirror that. Yeah, Ray saw. It's the, same it's the, it's the co- same. it's the same. Same general concept. The yeah, person yeah. is confronting their deepest fear. Yeah. Here, it's that Luke can become Darth Vader. Right. Who he does maybe subconsciously he knows is his father. Right. In Ray, it's her fear is that she is alone.
0: Just right.
1: Always alone. Right. She can only be with herself. But again, we're not here to talk about Episode Eight.
0: Well, but that, that, I mean I'll, that'll obviously come up. I think the moment works, and I will. Uh, I'll reflect on it again later.
1: On the bridge of the Superstar Star Destroyer, Vader is meeting with a line of bounty hunters. He wants the Falcon crew alive. No disintegrations, Boba Fett. That's a bad Boba Fett.
0: Bad, That's a bad Boba. Bad, bad
1: kitty. Um, <laughs> just then, the Falcon appears from the asteroid field. Light speed is still not working. Han instead moves into attack formation, flying directly toward the su- the Star Destroyer's bridge before vanishing. Poof. Good stuff. And it's gone. It's
0: gone. Uh, Luke's training continues as he does a handstand lifting everything around him off okay it's fine his concentration is blown when his x-wing falls into the swamp luke tells yoda that he can pull his ship from the muck luke says he will try sharply yoda gives his iconic line "Try not do or oh, do not there is no try so Harsh good. stuff that is, is harsh it's a great piece of advice
1: kind of i feel like I, I have no proof for this obviously but I feel like Damien, not Damien, what's his face? Um, the guy who did
0: Whiplash. Damien Chazelle.
1: Yeah, Damien Chazelle. I feel like he kind of mimicked that line in Whiplash with J.K. Simmons saying the two worst uh, words in the English dictionary are good job.
0: Good job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because you're either doing you're ch- or you're, channeling you're
0: not. channeling that same energy. You're either exactly. doing it or you're not. There's no between. That's good. But one is um, a villain
1: and one is Yoda who is deemed a hero.
0: Well, not a villain. He's a... Uh, he seems uh, like. Vicky ah, Simmons to... was
1: kind of a douchebag.
0: That, that no, it's a douchebag, like... not a villain. We'll we'll get to that when we cover Damien zone The ship moves slightly, but Luke drops it, saying, "It is impossible." We we've all been there. As the music swells, Yoda closes his eyes and pulls the ship out. Flabbergasted, Luke says, "He cannot believe it." That is why you fail. Harsh stuff. Love it. Such a harsh puppet. Puppet it's like a lion. Ant, puppet ass. Uh, the the Falcon does. The Falcon didn't just disappear. Han landed it on the side of the star destroyer. The ship floats away with the garbage, but it is being tracked by Slave One, Boba Fett. Jeremy Bullock/ slash, uh Tamara Morrison. Morrison. Is this, is this a Darth Vader situation where they it's a body the body actor is different from the voice well, actor because I know the not, voice well, changed. Not
1: originally, Jeremy was the voice and body of Boba Fett until Lucas changed it to Morrison in the new cut because right. he he once Bulba is a clone, he has to be played by they, they
0: needed continuity. When good on Morrison, he just keeps coming back. He loves coming back to these these characters. It's an easy paycheck. And hey, yeah, it really he, is. there's
1: supposed to be, there were 25,000 of him with a million on the way. So. And, he's,
0: and he's made a name for himself. You know, fans now recognize him. Sorry, no,
1: 250,000 cool. of them with a million on to, the way.
0: To call back to the clones, yes. Okay. They fly to Cloud City, which is run by Han's old friend. Upon arrival, there's an ominous feeling. Han lands the ship to no immediate welcoming party. Finally, his old friend Lando Calrissian, the one and only Billy D. Williams, comes out. What's the line? The old sm- smoothie? Yeah. The That's old what smoothie. he's called. That's the what old... Han
1: calls him. Yeah, the old... <laughs> old Smoothie. The
0: old Smoothie flirts with Leia. It does not take long before 3PO goes down the wrong hall and is shot. I was trying to think of the line already. He says right before they, they you call got back a to lot him of so guts
1: coming here.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Come here, you old pirate!
0: (laughs) Luke, sensing his friends are in danger, prepares his X-Wing. Yoda and Force Ghost Ben try and stop him. Pushing back, Luke asks rhetorically if he should let Han and Leia die. Yoda does answer, though. If you honor what they fight for, yes. This is non-negotiable. Luke leaves, promising to come back. As his ship takes off, Ben says, That boy is our last hope. Yoda reminds him, No, there is another.
1: I write the words Yoda reminds him because... Obi-Wan, you were you were there. You, you know that there's another one. Did you forget?
0: <laughs> I know that
1: it was a hard couple years on Tatooine, but you, 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 you just went to go save this other one right before you died. Leia is worried about the situation they're in. She does not like that 3PO went missing and does not trust Lando. Han says, I don't trust him either, but he's my friend. I mean, come on. Chewie walks in with three PO's remains. There is not much time to dwell on this as Lando invites them to dinner.
0: We would be honored if you would join us.
1: That's what I'm saying. Vader's got a couple funny lines in here.
0: This guy prepares a whole meal and these, these guys just start shooting at him, like prepares a dinner and everything, makes a whole Thanksgiving for them.
1: I don't know. Is soup really a meal, Jerry? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but even before this, I cut out the line. But he, Captain Nita, who lost the Falcon, he chokes him out, and to a dead, to his dead corpse, Vader's like apology accepted, Captain. You know, like very classic <laughs> yeah, comical
0: yeah. stuff. It's good. It works.
1: Uh, where are we? We would be honored if you would join us. Chewie is thrown in a loud cell with three PO's mangled body. Han and Leia are tortured without a single question being asked. Lando tries to smooth things over. He is an old smoothie. Um, Tries to smooth things over, saying that his deal with Vader has nothing to do with Leia and Chewie. In fact, it only has to do with someone named Skywalker. Vader plans to take Luke to the Emperor by casting him in carbonite. Before doing this, he orders they test the method on Han. Chewie howls, but Han calms him down, saying he needs to watch over Leia now. Before being lowered, Leia says, I love you. I know. And then he's blasted in the face. Um, <laughs> a slab is extracted and thrown to the ground. The carbonation process was a success. Vader then orders Leia and Chewie be put on his ship. Lando protests, but is, re- uh, but is rebuked by Vader saying, I'm altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further.
0: Good line.
1: Prior to Rogue One, this is the most menacing, I think we've seen Vader. Uh, in specifically when he says that to Lando, because just the empiric threat that he can use the entire might of the empire behind him. Like, no, you you think we have a deal, but like I'm doing you a solid by just letting you fucking live. Yeah. Like, don't try and come at me.
0: It's it's good. They knew what they had with vader this time they knew like because in a new hope he's like like we were saying he's kind of more of a presence like he's in it but he's also not as prominent and here it's like you know he, he kind of
1: because uh vader is kind of diminished in episode four leia even remarks like tarkin is holding his leash right here he's unleashed right
0: so. This is good. Full-blown full blown Vader. It doesn't yeah. really get much better than that, but it's... We'll, 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 talk, we'll, talk, more we'll talk more about Vader in course, Corner. Of course. Uh, Luke's, Luke walks down eerily quiet hallways. Leia and Chewie are used as bait to lure him to the carbon facility. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Without hesitation, Luke walks up to Vader and ignites his lightsaber. In tow, Vader calmly ignites his. Luke falls into the carbon chamber, but jumps out. Vader is impressed. Most uh, impressed. <laughs> most impressive. Lando having enough of the Empire's double dealing uh, activates uh, lo- uh, Lobot. 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 That's what I meant. Lobot. Low Sorry, Lobot. Uh, that's what I meant. I've obviously seen these movies. The Empire's uh, double dealing activates uh, Lobot, John Hollis. Together, they surround the stormtroopers. Trying to do right, Lando frees Chewie, who immediately chokes him. Lando is only set free so he can help attempt to save Han, but it is too late. Slave 1 has already taken off. The only good news is R2 has rejoined them. Lando makes an announcement to Cloud City that the Empire is taking over. Panic breaks out as everyone tries to flee. The duel continues down.
1: Free and- for <laughs> <we alive. Sorry. laughs>
0: wrong, wrong franchise. <laughs>
1: Abandon your pose, (laughs) (laughs) for your
0: life! (laughs) The duel continues down a few levels. Vader's starting to get pissed off. Hurls, uh, he hurls wallflowers at Luke while they fight. It's a great bit. One object shatters the window, and the pressure pulls Luke outside. Really pissed off, Vader combats with Luke with uh, Luke with everything he has, ultimately cutting off his hand before
1: we get to the next part because obviously the next part is most important i just want to talk about the duel before the twist Mm
0: -hmm.
1: without like really seeing vader's face just the progression of him through his fighting style Mm -hmm. when he first comes at luke he's like this kid has no game here so i could just like like it doesn't matter he's literally just repelling him and like Like, fuck this kid.
0: Right, he's not trying because he thinks he's going to have the upper hand no matter what. Yeah,
1: and then when they go down a layer, he's throwing things at the wall, at at Luke, from the wall, at Luke, and still fighting him like, okay, if I can't, I can't treat him like, like he's getting pissed. You could tell he's getting pissed, but he just wants to subdue him. And then when you get out on that uh, walkway, Vader is just like thrashing him. He's like... You need to listen.
0: It's like a, it's, and for lack of better words, it's like, it's like a parent trying to punish their child. It's kind yeah. of like, he's you beat, know, it's finally he's escalating. just escalating. You see his, and it's, I, I guess it's good directing too, because even the way it builds, like you're saying, it's like he just hits harder and harder until he cuts off his hand. And it's interesting that he cuts off his hand because you're getting the idea in hindsight, he's not actually, it seems like he's not actually trying to kill Luke. It's more like he's trying but he to, he's never him.
1: trying to kill Luke. Right. That was the whole th- reason he talked to the Emperor. Like, right. I can turn him.
0: But yeah, because I think if he wanted to kill him in that moment, in this moment of, of Luke's character, he could have easily killed him.
1: He easily could have killed him numerous times, and that right. is a point that is made in Return of the Jedi Right. too. Luke even says numerous times, like, you didn't have, you couldn't kill me then, and right. you're not going to kill me now. Right. He easily could have killed him the moment he walked into the carbonation room if he wanted to right so it's the one who ignited his lightsaber first
0: right so it's interesting that vader's just getting upset like you said he just keeps getting pissed off and you can tell just the progression of the fight this is probably i think at the maybe at the end we'll do maybe best um maybe we could throw in like a best lightsaber Um, you know, whatever. I don't know, we could do something, but this is probably one of the better lightsaber duels. Not just because, not really because of the fighting style, but the the progression of it, exactly what you're saying, the way it builds. It's, it really works. You can feel both characters, and I love the lighting on their faces and just the way you can like just, you can just feel it, you know? It's more than just the choreography.
1: Well, uh, these movies are clearly not about the choreography, but you're also dealing with, you're dealing with Vader who, well, Vader is obviously an experienced duelist because Anakin is an experienced duelist, but you're dealing with Luke, who's not really had much lightsaber training at all. Right, right. So you're not going back to the prequel era. Correct. Where Darth Maul is literally like flying, You know.
0: Well, the prequels change to the sequels
1: it up. where it doesn't even fucking matter anymore.
0: Yeah, the prequels change it up because they're like, oh, let's make it about choreography and flips and stuff like that. And it's kind of like don't get me wrong they're great when they're great but it's also you know it's not it loses the impact of about what's ha- really happening behind the, the well, that's back
1: when you're dealing with people in their prime like you have the jedi who have de- you know their entire life has been about training right so their discipline is that luke was training with yoda for like right. An undisclosed amount of time. We honestly have no idea how long he was on Dagobah. Right. There's rumors that it could be anywhere from like three months to a year. Like yeah. who, who knows?
0: Right, right, right.
1: So, and it didn't look like he was getting much lightsaber training to begin right, with. Right, right, right. But then you get to the next generation and you're dealing with Kylo Ren and Rey, who are like, especially in The Force Awakens, we'll talk about it in two weeks, but that lightsaber fight is not even like... That's just two people who are like throwing whatever they can throw. They I have no idea I, what the fuck they're doing.
0: And I really appreciate that because it like treats the characters in a respectful way. Cause it's like their kids, you know, it's like, yeah. they're, they're no, still I'm young. I'm not
1: saying I don't like it. I'm just saying that that's what happens. It's a downward right. progression because by right. the time you reach that point, you're dealing with two, you're dealing with the second generation away from like experienced dualists.
0: Yeah. And times your, have changed.
1: Times have changed and you're dealing with, kids, so yeah. it makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. we'll get there. Like you said, we'll get there in two weeks. Um, So, really pissed Vader combats Luke with everything he has, ultimately cutting off his hand. Luke backs up and dangles off the edge of a deep shaft. In Sith manner, Vader tries to turn Luke to the dark side. Luke pushes back. Vader turns the conversation. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Luke bites back. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. The axe drops. I... Uh, In disbelief, Luke shouts Very important Uh, Again, Vader tries to turn Luke to this time Promising they can rule the galaxy as father and son Rather than succumb to the dark side Luke reigns to the will of the force He lets go of the ledge and falls The steep drops And leaves him hanging outside Cloud City He calls to Leia through the force and she answers The Falcon picks Luke up And they, with the help of R2, jump to light speed Let's
1: go back though, to the fight for a minute, because a lot of important stuff happens that have little to do with the lightsaber dueling Mm -hmm. itself. One, I just find it funny that most of the time Star Wars is shown to children by their fathers. I feel like this is every father's subtle way of telling their child, like, hey, like, don't always trust me. Um, (laughs) But more importantly, uh, let's talk about George Lucas, who claims he knew from the beginning that Darth Vader was Luke's father, which I call bullshit on. I don't think that that was the case. He says it was, but there is no denying that this is the most consequential moment in all of Star Wars history.
0: Well, we talked about uh, last week, how there's that line, there's the famous speech that Obi-Wan gives about, you know, um, you know, your father, you know, we served in the Clone Wars and then uh, you know whatever twisted by the dark side a man uh, you know darth vader murdered your father and the whole notion of that is that you know could that be taken as a metaphor versus obi-wan lying to luke and all that stuff so i think that there's enough evidence early on that it could have been planned but also like because star wars felt like a one-off because of like we were saying it was 11 million dollars and it was a huge gamble I, I don't, I, none of us really know how far it was going in, in Lucas's mind. I think once the movie did well enough that they're like, cool, like it's making so much money and it's so successful, let's talk about a sequel. I think only then probably, I'm not, I don't know, like again, none of us know, no. but it's, uh, you know, but it, you know, obviously once someone says sequel, it's like you can, your mind can unravel and all of a sudden you can see the whole franchise in your head. But
1: yeah, I don't know,
0: knowing all along is a stretch.
1: Yeah, but. There's no denying that this is our like the most important moment in Star Wars history because it turned what was a serial story. You know, when let's not forget the concept of what episode four was that was like a serial, that was like a Buck Rogers, like kind of thing. And this moment turned that. Into it turned a serial drama, serial comedy, really, into a Shakespearean drama.
0: Well, especially in like, you know, in talking about the impact of these movies, and this is just a tease final discussion, but it's like no one had really ever done anything like this with the twist. No one had ever really seen anything quite like that in mainstream cinema, I guess you could say. So it's very interesting because it really is not just the biggest moment in all of Star Wars but it's a moment that probably could never be replicated because it changed so much in terms of storytelling it's just such an important moment
1: you're right it never can be replicated ever again because the fans will conspire and make you change your decisions in the end because
0: yeah we're spoiled now everyone's desensitized and it's kind of like i'm
1: just talking about rise of skywalker you know you had in the last jedi ray being told she's no one and then the fans hated it so lucasfilm changed it
0: they needed a big twist it's almost like people people needed another heritage this actually was like kind of like both the best and worst thing to happen in star wars because it was like
1: no this is the best thing to happen because the, the thing, and I, I wanted to hold off on this until episode eight, but we could talk about it now. Ryan Johnson's notion of what a twist is, to me, is the correct notion. Right. And what it is, it is something that is obvious that a character is fearful to confront. Mm-hmm. Like, what is Ray's biggest fear in episode eight? That she is alone. That is right. her vision. Her vision in the cave is I'm alone. And you were being told you're no one.
0: You're Mm -hmm. no one. That's why it's so brilliant. It's a reverse twist. That's what I love about it. Yeah.
1: But here the twist is the complete opposite. It's Luke who thinks he's no one. And is being told the hardest thing he could possibly hear in this moment. That Darth Vader, the man who just cut off your fucking hand, is your father. The man who you thought killed your father is your father.
0: Right, right, right. and his
1: whole world comes crashing down ben kenobi just told him something completely different mm -hmm. so to me it's a that's why both those twists work for me i mean
0: oh yeah the the way they mirror it and we'll we'll save we'll, we'll save all the discussion for a couple weeks obviously but i when i say it's the best and worst twist to happen to star wars is that because it's it gave fans something so good people didn't People – fans never – I feel like the bulk of fans never knew what they actually wanted. All they wanted – as soon as The Force Wagons came out, all they wanted was answers as to who are Ray's parents. And to, not to repeat what you're saying, but, like, that's exactly why Ryan Johnson's twist works. Yeah. Because it's just – but that's what – but that's ultimately what ruins The Rise of Skywalker because it's like fans are upset because they need – they need to feel like there is a twist. They need to feel like there's important heritage to every single character. Which so we'll talk about when we
1: get to episode nine, because I don't want to litigate like, that right now. Of course, But of course. that is very unfortunate.
0: It's it's so unfortunate. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it because I think it's... <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited to just kind of like validate my own feelings because it's I'm still, I mean, it'll be two years this year this year, and it's still oh,
1: man. It, it's, that's crazy. It still burns.
0: It still hurts. Keep going. Uh,
1: let's finish this movie. At the Rebel Rendezvous rendezvous is at the Rebel Rendezvous point, Lando in Han's outfit for some reason. You know, they made this joke in the family guy bit, and I look back and Lando literally is wearing Han's outfit. He has the vest and the white shirt, and it's very weird. I don't understand.
0: That's so funny.
1: Anyway, uh, Lando and Chewie prepare to go to Tatooine. Luke, getting a new hand, has taken over as leader of the group. He, Leia, R2, and C-3PO look out the window of the Falcon as they cross a nebula. The end. So let's talk, before we get into canon Corner, just about... What do you think the audience felt I, like if honestly if i could go back and see any of these movies for the first time like the premiere of them it would mm-hmm. be this one because i yeah. just want to know what people would were saying when they left the theater you're being left on a very big cliffhanger yeah you're, you were just told that vader was luke's father and the movie is just very clearly different than the original right. star wars what are people thinking and saying
0: it during in nineteen eighty, yeah. I think that no one knew what to think. I think this is part of like like we talked about how last week what made a new hope so successful is that it's like the white whale in terms of being like the ultimate blockbuster, something that no one's ever been able someone's been chasing, but you can't really replicate. But this is this did it not just for sequels, but
1: this is the sequel white whale that everyone's like, been chasing.
0: And that's the thing, is it's like they struck gold twice because it's like I mean, it's just and, and part of it is what exactly what you're saying about the ending, you know, you've given people a very different tone of a movie, but now you've just kind of like kicked them when they're down and then you just ended it, you know what I mean you made this huge twist that, you know, I think that fans couldn't comprehend at the time. I think people were just not used to movies like this, to yeah. this caliber with just enormous twists. And then they ended it. They don't wrap it up in a bow. They leave it on a cliffhanger. How many, you know, franchises did that at the time? You know what at I mean? At the like time,
1: this- none, but this set the template, you know, you look at uh, Two Towers and you could clearly see the Empire Strikes Back influence all over it.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, again, those were, those were books, but the, even the way the movie ends is very similar
1: not just the way it ends but the way in which it operates is very similar yes it is a book but I, and i haven't read the books but mm-hmm. and maybe this is where lucas lucas is very open about how he stole from lord of the rings and other franchises that came before but the two towers is about it, it's a very it's a darker tone than the fellowship of the ring and it Way ends more on a character cliffhanger driven and yeah the and the villains though they don't necessarily win they don't necessarily lose right anyway let's get into canon corner let's talk about darth vader uh i don't know if you've heard of him he's a pretty <laughs> good guy pretty good, guy. Guy. good guy good father um he got out of paying uh child support for 20 years and now he wants back in So, Vader was, he obviously got away from the Death Star explosion, which he may have regretted living after, (laughs) because Palpatine was, as you would expect, not too pleased. The rule of two suggests that there is one to wield the power and one to covet it, and the Emperor was beginning to have doubts that Vader was coveting the power he was beginning to have doubts that Vader was strong enough as an apprentice to maintain the title of a Sith. So the Emperor put him through extensive testing after the Death Star's destruction. He brought in other bounty hunters to hunt down Darth Vader. He brought in a mad scientist who created these weird creatures to for Vader to combat. These are in the comic books. But Ultimately, Vader triumphed over every test that the Emperor threw at him, which gave the Emperor the flip reaction was, okay, maybe the Death Star's destruction was the problem of Tarkin and you not being given total control, which is why we find Vader in such command in The Empire Strikes Back. So... One of the main tasks that Vader has is he wants to find the person responsible for the destruction of the Death Star. The person who just put him through his own personal hell with the Emperor. So he hires Boba Fett to hunt down and find the person who destroyed the Death Star.
0: This is in a comic book here?
1: Yes, this is in a comic
0: book. Okay.
1: Luke, at this moment, is on a quest to find out more about the Jedi as much as he can, which leads him back to Ben Kenobi's hut. He's looking for anything that could help him in his journey toward becoming a Jedi, and ultimately and he finds um, Obi Wan's journal, which is how Luke finds out how to build a lightsaber, which is why Luke's second lightsaber looks like Obi Wan's. That's a little, you know, tangent. Uh, that's good. Doesn't that's matter
0: because it does, you know, look different, but
1: yeah. So Boba Fett finds Luke. And temporarily blinds him, like Luke goes temporarily blind. But with a bit of luck in R2 D2, Luke escapes, as does Boba Fett. Bulbafett returns to Darth Vader, and Vader asks, Is the job done? And Boba Fett says, He doesn't, he didn't kill the boy, but he has a name. Vader asks for it, and he says, Skywalker. And in his rage, looking out on the Imperial fleet, the glass begins to shatter on his hall on his bridge, and it's actually a f- insanely awesome panel. Yeah, sorry.
0: Oh, I like that a lot. Wow, I like that a lot. That could almost be a, a poster.
1: It could be a poster or a iPhone background, which it has been for me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So, he it's just awesome. He Vader's looking out on the Imperial fleet. The glass before him is shattered, and he's like. This is ridiculous. Everything has been predicated on a lie. He thought his son or his children, child, died in Padme's womb when she died. He was holding on to the guilt of, like, Padme was killed by him. The emperor told him that, which is what Well, I guess... Yeah.
0: No, I was going to say, which would make... I, I guess this makes for a better discussion now than in final discussion, but it's very interesting when the, any of the prequels, not just the, the actual prequels, but even like Rogue One, how they impact the current, fran- the, the, the main franchise. And it's funny because in watching these chronologically, and that's why I think it's important once you watch it to, to watch it chronologically, it's like there is such a payoff in the grand scheme of things in watching these. And that's part of Filoni's bit, which we're going to obviously talk, touch on next week. Cause Filoni has a lot to say about how Return of the Jedi brings the prequels full circle, but how moments like that when you hear even the name uh you know whatever it says the son of anakin skywalker the exact i don't remember the dialogue yeah that's the the
1: sequence i was about to bring up again but because i just want to add one more piece of information before you go on Yeah, yeah and that's that you have to go back to episode three where Vader's first thought is where is Padme? Is she safe? Is she all right? right? And the emperor says through your anger you killed her. Right. Leading Vader to automatically assume that the emperor knew she was dead. Right. That the emperor had confirmation that like that he was in possession of her and understood that she was dead. Right. Right in this moment he's learning that the emperor had no idea because he didn't even know that the child existed. And if he did, he wouldn't have let it go away. He knows that much about his master.
0: Right. So, but and that's what makes the moment more ironic. Not even ironic. It it makes, it it hits harder. It makes it, it makes it, like I said, it's better payoff watching it chronologically, knowing like that, that dialogue that they share, like this, it's the son of, uh, of anakin skywalker i have whereas, no
1: doubt that this boy is the son of anakin skywalker right and where his reply is how is that possible
0: right and that may in watching just the original trilogy it's like okay that's just a regular piece of dialogue like how is this possible but in knowing the history it makes just that little bit so much more special you know
1: that's why i was saying that's what i was saying when we were covering that moment in the movie you can look at it as either in two ways the average fan will probably look at it and go like this dialogue makes absolutely no sense. Mm -hmm. But if you know more about the expanded universe, you know that these two are both testing each other for information. Vader is like, how is that possible? Wink, wink. Like you knew something. And the emperor is like, I think that this is the son of Anakin Skywalker. Like, what do you know about this? Well, you know, it, they're it, speaking without saying anything. Exactly. And neither one of them is giving
0: any information up. And it's good. Because, because it's neither one of them
1: actually knows information.
0: Exactly. In the try-
1: circumstance, it, this is a sitcom comedy.
0: Right. And it's basically like them kind of playing chess with each other a little bit. And then obviously by the end of this one, he says, you know, to Luke, when Vader says, Luke, you know, join me and we can take down the Emperor together. Mm -hmm. You know, you already know by the end of this that Vader's motive has changed. So in the some odd, nearly 20 years, however long it's been at this point, since.
1: Again, that's part of the Sith dichotomy. The Emperor would almost, and that's part of what I was saying before, the Emperor is disappointed that Vader seems weak. he's disappointed by the fact that vader cannot kill him because Mm -hmm. part of the sith is you have one to wield the power and one to covet it and if you you have an apprentice that can't overtake you eventually then what's this all been about man you know like how are you supposed to keep the lineage going he needs vader strong of course um back to canon corner Yoda, I mentioned this during the episode three podcast, but I figured I'd reiterate it. Yoda chose Dagobah because it was so strong in the dark side that it would cover his light abilities. And most of that emanated from the cave. What I didn't mention was that the cave is later destroyed after Yoda dies. It is destroyed by Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren. Snoke takes him to Dagobah on like a force on, like, a Force journey. Right. And Ben loses his mind in the cave and destroys the whole thing. After Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan, is killed. This is in a book. Um, after Ben Kenobi is killed, he appears before Yoda and tells him that the time has come. Like, the Force has awakened, essentially.
0: Yeah. For and Yoda is, words.
1: like, pretty stoked. He's like, yeah, I'm ready to train this new Jedi. The problem <laughs> is... Yoda wants to train Leia and not Luke. He says exactly what he said in the movie that Luke, you know, Yoda was playing Santa Claus throughout (laughs) Luke and Leia's entire life. He would check in on Luke and Leia when they were sleeping. He knows when they're awake. (laughs) And he saw and said exactly what he said to Luke's face. Like you're impatient and like impertinent I don't want to train you like you're not, you're gonna go down the same path that your father went down I need to train your sister bro but you (laughs) know things were already in motion so that wasn't gonna happen uh the only other note that I wanted to mention was just after Alderaan exploded Leia uh, the Empire cracked down though the Emperor was not A fan of Tarkin's move to destroy Alderaan he was never one to leave loose ends open so he ordered that all people from Alderaan were to be gathered up and killed just if we're gonna destroy the planet just let's get it over with let's kill any notion of Alderaan resistance
0: it's cruel man
1: yeah well if you if your entire planet blew up you're not gonna take too kindly to that system so, you know, to the system that led to uh, your planet being blown up. So he was, a, you know, Palpatine operates under logic here. These people can become a threat. They're going to join the, re- the rebellion. Let's kill them all. Leia, with the help of 9 actually, helped to converge all the refugees and safely hid them away on, uh, I forget where, it's from a comic book of some kind. I don't remember exactly where they went. They wanted Leia to stay, but she was like, nah, I got I, I got other things to do.
0: I'm an important person in the room. Thanks, but no thanks.
1: Thanks, but no thanks. That's all I got for Cannon Corner. That's good. So then why don't you kick us off on final discussion here, Josh? We're
0: going to do awards?
1: Oh, right. I forgot about the awards. Jeez. Wait. Every week I'm forgetting something. My mind okay, is man. just in one day. When... Listen,
0: this is going to be good. This is all good.
1: One day when you're my age, you'll understand. When
0: you're my age, boy. Um, we'll just, yeah, I mean, this will be, no, this is all I mean, there's only so much we can cover, but we'll, this is. Yeah, we'll why don't you uh,
1: read the awards and kick us off?
0: All right. So as always, we have most iconic moment, clunkiest dialogue, the John Williams award, best creature or droid design, the standout character, best use of the force.
1: So. Go for it. What's your iconic moment? Although I feel like this one's pretty obvious. <laughs>
0: There's only one. It's really, it's the, it's the I'm your father reveal. Uh, as we said, I think it's just no one had ever seen anything like it. The spoiler only other moment,
1: alert, this is my choice. Too. The like, only
0: other one I would say is when Luke beheads Vader as in the vision that he sees, because it's just a very poignant character moment. But um, uh, there's really the only reason I'll, the only other thing I'll say about the iconic moment is it's just, it's something that, to reiterate from before, it's just something that completely changed the notion of storytelling. That's really never been replicated. There's really never been yeah. a twist like it. So it's kind of just but it's, it's it's iconic for multiple reasons. What it does to the characters, but what it does for storytelling, what it does for franchises, what it does for sequels. It's like Yeah. It's, it's uh, arguably one of the most iconic you, moments in in movie history, you know? I think we talked about it a
1: lot, so we don't need to relitigate what we no, already of course, said. Of course. But obviously this is one of the most iconic moments in all of cinema history so how could it not be the most iconic moment in the movie that we're talking about of course the next award i'll be honest i had the hardest time with in all of these awards because the dialogue in this one is very very like clean and natural and crisp this is arguably the most well-written of all the star wars so movies. Uh,
0: i was hinting at it before but it's like the way everything works even the clunky dialogue so to speak like it just works like it flows naturally but that's the
1: whole thing the clunky dialogue is played for comedy in this movie you know i could have gone with yoda when he was acting crazy and hitting r2 going mine 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 like
0: but it works but it's it not, works I, yeah. I
1: thought about going with um han on hoth like i thought they no bad on the outside like again yeah, but it cheesy works dialogue but it works I none of, to mean there really is no like clunky dialogue
0: i, I agree i almost didn't pick I, I almost didn't want to pick if anything i was going to pick a role reversal like of a best dialogue like a, of a most iconic dialogue but even then there's too many good lines it's like yeah it's hard man um
1: so i'm keeping this one nolan void. this one is the this only is na here
0: I mean, the only, the, only, the only one I wrote down, but even then, is Han, uh, Han and Leia's dialogue, which, again, works. It's And hold on, I want to bring up a point you brought up earlier. Uh, the line I wrote down was, um, afraid I was uh, going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. And she said, I'd just as soon kiss a, a Wookiee. And he says, I can yeah, arrange, arrange that. that. And even then, it's like, that's it's it's cheeky in the way that the characters operate. But I want to make a note about what you said, because like I really, in good faith, can't really pick something for real either but um you talked about how like it's uh, the way they write romance um because it's arguably never ever worked in star wars ever again the yeah. way they re- write romance and dialogue
1: you know what i the clunkiest dialogue is probably vader and palpatine's conversation but it's intentionally clunky or unintentionally intentionally clunky like I don't know if Lucas made it intentional but the way I read it makes it intentional you know we went over it (laughs) numerous times
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know
1: the dialogue is intentionally like them trying to one-up each other trying to play off each other so I don't know if
0: it's qualified again I just the script the script works like you said most well it's one of the most probably the most well-written
1: script so John Williams award go for it
0: um the only runner up I'd have would be um it's it's listed as Yoda and the Force when he raises the X-wing. The way it builds because it builds in such iconic John Williams fashion with the that's horns it, coming in.
1: That's actually my pick.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: yeah I I, just I, know, can, I know what the pick The is obvious going choice to be. is the
0: Imperial March again yeah. because of just it's a score a piece of score that's recognized by everyone so i don't really have to go into it but i'll let you harp on the yoda in the force moment because i thought that was good Well,
1: just off of what you said the imperial march is one of those songs that's amazing because every single person no matter where you live star wars has fan heard or not it. yeah you, you've heard it no matter what it's in the cultural it's zeitgeist
0: one of the most recognizable pieces of music
1: and what's crazy <laughs> is it's not in episode four and everyone just like associates this music with Star Vader. Wars, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. immediately. Um, as for the Yoda Force theme, well, I just want to also predicate that this award was also extremely difficult because I love this album. This album, the whole was, soundtrack
0: like, is is as a banger.
1: I listen to this all the time, but this song, this the Force song, is like my go-to. That's just like a very calming song to me. And I'll listen to it to calm myself down when thing, when when I get hot because sometimes your, I get hot at work your, and your
0: goosefroba.
1: It's my goosefroba here. <laughs> it makes me feel like all my hard work will eventually pay off. I'm just like building and you know training and it, it calms me. So
0: well, yeah, the way it flows is great because it's mostly pretty. Slow, it builds and builds, but then those the, when the horns come in at the end, it's like, oh, this is this is good, good yep. John Williams right here,
1: very very classic.
0: And uh, how about best creature droid design?
1: Again, I feel like this one's
0: pretty obvious.
1: This is the mix we're dealing with here, obvious and too difficult. But obviously, I'm gonna go with Yoda. Like Yoda is clearly the best original creature design. In this movie, before this, he hadn't been seen before, so he qualifies. We we already talked about how things easily could have gone wrong if he didn't work. Oh yeah, I feel like we don't need to go too deep into why Yoda is my favorite design ever, but it's again one of the most iconic characters that has ever existed in all of cinema. So the end.
0: Uh, yeah, Yoda was my best creature, but I'm, I'm going to go fo- – I'll focus on a, a droid design. I went with the Imperial Walkers, the Adats. Okay. Because um, it's the first time you really see them. I love the way that they operate. I love that they're like almost like these big dinosaurs. They got their big like robot legs. I think it's a very unique design. that They, they mimic creatures. They mimic these – they mimic the look of an actual – like an animal. And I think it's different because there's – I mean, yes, the ones in – forgive me i don't know their names and that show up and return the jedi the one the two-footed ones uh, that look like the eyes
1: the atsts
0: they do that again and it you know um but the imperial walkers are so cool because they're like they're they're so haunting they're these giant robot things so i Completely i just think it's a cool design
1: practical in reality but really yeah. cool in a star wars universe
0: it's a cool it's a cool design so i had to go for it but
1: and do you call them at ats or atats
0: I just thought they were at but they call them Adats. I've heard people that's the
1: both of them are canon intentionally. So <laughs> you are not wrong regardless of what you call them.
0: Oh, that's 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 good to know. So
1: it's just like some people call Han Han or Leia Leia, you know, it I guess both are canon technically. Yeah. Although Leia's is typically only Dodona really called her Leia and right. it's like you're supposed to be old friends here like, <laughs> my guy uh standout character what do you got
0: um like last was week another
1: hard one
0: like last week in picking han for me i'm just gonna go with the obvious answer um and oh, i just that's went not with, the
1: obvious answer at all for me but
0: well for last for, for for a new hope for me the obvious answer was 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 han in terms of it being like he's he stands out among everyone else okay gotcha in terms of it just being like harrison ford and well i talked about how he, he naturally just brings that persona but for this it was like for me the obvious answer was vader um we don't have to harp oh, okay. on him more. Yeah. Um, in terms of him just this was his movie i think in terms of like he was more of a, a presence in a new hope um you know he has this iconic now icon- iconic uh, scene at the end of rogue one but really like this is his movie because even return of the jedi it's like yes he is ultimately the turning point but for me this was his movie this so this is what of-
1: makes him infamous this is what the movie that makes him Vader and what everyone fears so and just uh, think about how you're first reintroduced to him he's literally the shot is literally the back of his helmet looking out on his Starfleet on this ship that you have seen is bigger than a Star Destroyer which was already fucking huge so yeah he that's a good one yeah, Just for differential sake, I'm going to go with Yoda again. Yep. Uh, like I said, again, it could have gone wrong. But the character we did get, I think, is the perfect balance of comedy in the beginning when we first meet him and seriousness when we truly get to know him. Mm-hmm. Wise beyond belief, though still a little blinded by the Jedi Order you know maybe you should have learned a couple more lessons than you ultimately did or do you need to meditate on that too but uh i'm being harsher on yoda than i should be
0: well um and like vader it's like he's in other movies but this is really yoda's movie like is this the only one that he's really as prominently important as he is
1: in the prequels uh we see yoda and we see him fight and it's cool but it's not the same as in this movie in this movie we are truly understanding why yoda is as revered as he is because literally every line of dialogue he is given is iconic it is something wise and makes you think do or do not there is no try that is why you fail
0: it's wonderful i'm not
1: afraid you will be yeah you
0: Will. They put all their eggs into that basket, you know, almost as if like you may never see this character again. Cause in yeah. writing the character, this is like, they, this was their one, like you, like you, we, we kept saying like the character, if the character didn't work, who knows if we would have even seen this character reappear again. So it's like, they put all their eggs into this basket for that character and his dialogue. And you know what I mean? And yeah. Anyway.
1: Uh, best use of the force. Uh, is it? Yeah. I go Brent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, There are a couple. I could have gone with Ben being a force ghost. Because again, like you pointed out earlier, that's the first time we ever see him. Uh, I could have gone with Vader throwing things at Luke while they were dueling. Because again, that's the first time we've seen anyone... Even in the prequels, we don't see people really throwing things while they fight, except for maybe Darth Maul throwing one thing to the wall just for the show of it yeah yeah which is really stupid but for me the best use of the force is uh the comical one of vader choking out his own men through the hollow net just because it's iconic at this point
0: i like that. literally
1: choking and killing uh, admiral ozzel while he promotes piet it it's not just funny but in using the force he is making a statement to his men like you do not fail me. If you fail me, you're done. That's that's how this works. So it is a power play, and it reinforces just how deadly and how serious Darth Vader is.
0: I also we, I also could have gone with another runner-up of Luke uh, c- uh, c- catching the lightsaber from the snow. Only because that's the first time you see him use the Force. So it's like you see him... Well, it's the first time you see him use it in a physical sense. Like he's actually you know catching something it's kind of you know it's big for you know it's how he gets himself out he literally has no one else to help him out yeah um that's a good one ultimately and it's it could be a cop out because it's not literal but i ultimately went with the ending in luke jumping down the shaft Mm -hmm. and (laughs) jumping down the shaft and then dangling um from the uh you know the bottom of the of the whatever the hang whatever the of of, under cloud city and he's kind of just hanging there anyway um it's more of this moment of the blind faith which i've talked about before in the past with these movies but um i just that notion that he he gets his hand cut off he gets this enormous reveal you know told him about his father and then he has no other choice but to just kind of jump and then well uh, not know what's really gonna gonna happen
1: i think that's a perfect segue into final discussion here yes And I guess let's start with Luke because what you just said is very important and is the crux of who Luke is, something I didn't really see until The Last Jedi even. But what makes Luke such an interesting and such a great Jedi, probably better, I'm not saying he's stronger than Yoda, I'm just saying he is a better jedi than yoda is the fact that luke can see options that no one else can see
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yoda uh, we've talked about this extensively during the revenge of the sith uh podcast how the jedi and the sith they're different yet the same that is palpatine's whole thing like the jedi are similar to the sith in almost every way and yoda And Obi Wan kind of proved that numerous times. Yoda wants the Jedi to come back. And that means that Luke needs to sacrifice his friends. And it means that Luke has to train in order to ultimately kill Darth Vader and the Emperor. That's the ultimate goal. Okay. But it still involves killing. What kind of Jedi path is that? When luke looks at his options it's not about life or death it's not even about victory or failure it's about victory through failure he just learned an awful awful truth and rather than going with his father he just or even combating his father he decides i'm resigned to killing myself right now there's no there's no way he could have known he could have just fallen and lived from that I'm ready to kill myself rather than be used as your tool. And even when we get to the next episode, I would rather die than kill my own father. Even though Vader, even though the Emperor and Yoda and Obi-Wan want me to kill my father. So he's able to see a third path in all of these ventures that no one else can see. And that's what makes Luke such an extraordinary Jedi.
0: It's what brings his, and obviously not to tease because, I, you know, we'll obviously talk a lot about it, but it's um, that's what bring, it, it, it's what makes his character arc. That's what brings his character arc come full circle by the time you get to The Last Jedi. Because what this is doing is in the way that I talked to just talked about before how the prequels make you, you know, they make the current the, the original trilogy even better because of the little nuances so Does the same effect happen where the little nuances in these movies, especially this movie, affect the sequel trilogy, even though it's not nearly as prominent? There are moments, especially with Luke on the island when he's older, and then this whole – what you're saying is a third option is realizing that there's a gray area. And this is the first tease of a gray area because it's – it's it, we'll what it's doing is it's, it's into this more it, it, right. It's maturing. episode
1: and episode eight because right. both those movies once again show Luke's ability to take his take the true Jedi path in. We're not supposed to be murderers here. The right. true Jedi path is that we use our powers to, for empowering others, not right. for ourselves.
0: Right. He, and I,
1: he is the reverse of what Palpatine is saying. All who gain power are afraid to lose it. Luke had all the power he could have wanted. And he complete he, he threw it away. He was like, I, I failed. I don't want it. I, again, we'll get to that in episode eight.
0: But I think what you're saying is about Luke's character is also a perfect kind of metaphor for what this movie does in general is it, it shows its maturity Right. Because Luke, you're seeing a more mature character. And in this whole sense of this movie, just to get back to final just to just to keep yeah, yeah. us on track with final discussion, is that this the whole atmosphere of this movie, as jokey and comical as we've said it is, is more mature. Everything is-, is bigger, it's darker, it's better, it's everything about it is completely upgraded. So it's like it's not because so many sequels, so I mean, more more than not, unfortunately, so many sequels just repeat the same story beats as their original success or because they feel like they don't know how to evolve a a story without feeling like the audience won't enjoy it so this movie kind of is one of the first again it's a milestone for 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 films in general because of what it does for franchise storytelling in terms of expanding your universe I mean sequels have been happening even at this point I mean there had been sequels to films but it was like what are you really doing if you're not taking the basis of what you had the first time and you're just expanding in all directions? And that's what this movie does on all notes.
1: Like I said earlier, this movie flips a serial into Shakespeare. Yeah. And it is impressive how it does it because it's not just about expanding the universe. This movie does two things at the exact same time, which is something that, is extraordinary it expands the universe while focusing inward on the people right because at the end of the day what makes this movie more mature than any other one is the fact that it's based on characters everything that happens is character driven where some of the other movies it's very just Plot heavy and plot driven, especially when we get to the prequels and Phantom Menace and Attack of the, especially Attack of the Clones. It's all about plot. None of it is mm-hmm. about character. Well, it's hard. They sorry, try and make it about character. <laughs>
0: Well, it's just like there are attempts to – like even Attack of the Clones, like there's a whole relationship between Anakin and Padme, which is all character-driven, but it just doesn't work. Like the chemi- like we've talked about for a whole episode. It's just that doesn't really work.
1: Yeah, well, I guess the best example is Rise of Skywalker. Again, we don't yeah. need to litigate it right now, but Rise of Skywalker is it's we need to go broad. here, we need to go here, we need to go here. and we, you're, There's no why. It's just we're going to go from point A to point B to point C to – and here it's like Luke is – Here it's, Luke is on Dagobah. He doesn't want to leave his training. He feels that he needs to leave his training because his friends, his loved ones are at risk. Okay. And Yoda even tells him, don't go. There are obstacles to get him out of Dagobah. Where in a later movie, it's, all right, we got to go here to get to here, to get to here. There's no real pushback. It's even ex- even Han and Leia, it's not that they want to go to Cloud City. They literally have no <laughs> they
0: have no options. Right. It's it's pushing characters to their to the brink of their of their patience and and the testament of of their characters. Each character gets challenged, and what this does, what this movie does, is it brings up a trope that other franchises have repeated, where what they do is they split up the core cast. And that really works because I don't know the term for it, but it's like in part of the hero's journey, it's like you have, you know, whatever, the mentor and you have the whatever in the, you have all these, you have these, uh, a camaraderie of of characters and they're all together. So what this is doing is it's doing a reverse of what it did in A New Hope because you're not watching them all together. You're watching them all split up.
1: Well, that's a, I want to just go back to production for a minute, but that's something that was another way of Mark Hamill being tortured on set or while filming. He was basically secluded and sequestered the, the entire shoot because outside of Hoth and the, the last scene with Leia, uh, R2, and uh, what's it called, and 3PO, he's alone.
0: Well, that's what makes it special is that, well, it's funny because you talked about Mark Hamill being tortured on set. And that's really what it is, is it's funny because he's by himself for most of it.
1: Yeah. During the filming, he was all alone for most of it he couldn't even talk to his other actor because he's under he's three feet underground of course (laughs) so it's crazy stuff
0: ultimately in hindsight in looking at the grand scheme of things and looking at the bigger picture all these elements work though this is all you and I could again like I was saying last week and this is going to be a especially for this original trilogy it's going to be hard for us to say anything that no one else has said but there's a reason that this is All these things that we're saying, snowball this into, you know, one of the, not just one of the greatest movie sequels of all time, but for a lot of people, it's just one of their greatest movies of all time. And
1: what's funny is that George Lucas really does not like this movie. This is his least favorite of the Star Wars sequels. Has he said that? I mean, I I don't know about his Disney preferences because... Legally, he's not allowed to talk about it, but he has hinted numerous times that Empire is his least favorite Star Wars movie of the original six.
0: Which is ironic that, and just to go back to George for a sec, it's ironic that this is the only, if I'm not mistaken, the only Star Wars movie out of the main episodic sagas, out of the original six, that he was not really involved with. He was. That's not... why he doesn't like it. And that's the thing, is it's like... I think
1: it's twofold. I think he wasn't there while filming was happening, so he felt isolated, and he didn't... As I mentioned before, the film process frustrated him. Right, He's getting very minimal daily returns. Mm -hmm. Kirshner is slowing things down. He's on the opposite side of the earth, like trying to whittle together visual effects. And... He doesn't like the dark dourness of the movie, which he felt necessary, but he didn't like it. So it, it's just funny that he doesn't like it. I also think it's the other part, factor is he's I'm trying to think of the nice way to say this. George can be a little petty. Oh, yeah. And I think he's just extremely jealous
0: of he's bitter.
1: I think he's bitter. I think he's jealous of the reverence that this movie gets compared to the other ones. I
0: mean, even to to this day, there are people who will be like, Oh, empire is like the only time that star Wars really shines as it's own." like people. It's become almost like a, not a joke, but it's become almost like that's just the common notion. Oh, empire is the best one. Like people feel that way about all of star Wars. And so it's funny to think George came up with this thing. He's so little involved I mean, he's he came up with a story, of course, but like he's so little involved in the actual movie that it's almost like you can imagine he feels like no, this is this is not mine. People should like the stuff I did, you know what I mean? And like yeah, you exactly. can see the bigger picture. But
1: he, uh, I don't know. He he's an interesting person. He is. Very I will say, yes. and I'll
0: wrap up, I'll wrap it up with this: is that i am very I would be very curious to see the alternate timeline where Lucas gave creative control to other people all along, because it makes, because as much as I obviously love Star Wars, as much as what has brought us here today, and as much as Star Wars is continuing to shine with other creatives like Dave Filoni, um, and a little bit of Ryan Johnson, people like you and me, a small majority, but um, it's, it's interesting because Star Wars is getting a new life, it's getting a new, it is getting an expansive direction from other creatives, but if these main movies were not helmed by george specifically the prequels it makes me wonder how i think star wars still would have expanded the way it did because it's it's inevitable these movies are so insanely successful Mm -hmm. and and influential that no matter what it would have been big but i'm curious if george just said hey let me get other people involved to write and direct and i'll just like map out the story
1: but what's interesting is This being George Lucas's least favorite Star Wars movie, kind of... I'm trying to think of how to word this. It reinforces the issues with the prequels. Because he didn't understand why people really love Episode Five as much as they do. And by not understanding that and not bringing back Kasdan for the prequels he wasn't able to capture that magic
0: again for the prequels. I
1: mean, the prequel, obviously we talked about them. I love the prequels. They have their ups and downs,
0: obviously. They're a special place in our hearts for different reasons, but...
1: But he... It's interesting when an artist doesn't see what people love about their product. Right. Like, he can come down and say, like, people love... The force so i'll give them midi-chlorians but then people revolted and he's like why why are you revolting i don't get it (laughs) of course so he just i don't think he understood why people love the character driven dourness of this movie
0: i guess I mean, George sees so much story, and like you were just saying, the antithesis to this is the uh, rise of Skywalker, which of course we'll you know, get to. But um, it's like it, it's almost like a it's a oxymoron. It's like let me give them so much story, but it's like you if you don't slow things down and make you care about the characters, people ultimately aren't going to be invested.
1: Yep. All right. So I think that's a good place to end this one. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, literally we could do this till, you know, know. judgment day. We could just say, I almost feel like, cause we, you and I, you know, um we teased the idea of doing a Star Wars show for, since the beginning of this whole thing. And I almost feel like, I, I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel like it boils down to this uh, this movie and The Last Jedi. And I think because of what they do and how they tie the whole franchises together, because, as we've gotten older as you and i have said off air you know since we started working together is like um you know as like for me as like as i've gotten older i've appreciated like the slower kind of movies that take their time with dialogue and characters rather than big action heavy kind of storytelling in general so it's yeah. i don't know i feel like it's well, kind of what's
1: this funny is, is what this movie wasn't really always my favorite when you're a kid your favorite is not this no, one because the ac- no. it is slower than the other ones my favorite was return of the Jedi. of course i remember
0: yeah it's the most action it's the most heavy action and it's packed, the most yeah yeah
1: the longest lightsaber fight the ground assault the air assault yeah, there's a lot going on
0: it's very and entertaining
1: it's very but as time has progressed it's kind of it, it, this movie has overtaken it because i prefer stories with character development rather than just explosions of course so I think that's a good place to end it's this one. That's a good spot. I agree. So Josh, tell me, what is your pick of the week?
0: Um, I won't harp onto it, and I really thought hard about it, and the only one that makes sense, and I just it kept coming to mind, and I won't talk about it because we talked about it. Is I gotta go with the Dark Knight. Uh, I yes, <laughs> I think I don't. I'm sure you've. I think you've picked it as a pick, and we did a whole Nolan show. So I'm not gonna harp on it. What I'll say is that in terms of sequels, and I'll just focus on that taking a, what I said about taking an original story and expanding it, making it bigger, better, everything. The Dark Knight kind of just is the, cl- I think it's the closest we've come to like our generation of seeing a sequel have that same kind of impact because The Dark Knight's one of those things that even people who aren't comic book fans know of and they enjoy. Like a lot of, I know people who don't like comic movies at all and they enjoy The Dark Knight because of the impact it had as a sequel. I think it ha- it replicates what Empire did in terms of, taking a story and completely expanding it and I'll just kind of leave it at that because we've we did a whole show on it
1: that's a good one I like it (laughs) um for my pick I'm gonna go with Blade Runner 2049
0: I was so close to picking that (laughs) (laughs) I was like it was between so I had obviously Terminator 2 and Aliens in mind I was like no 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 let's but then I I landed on Blade Runner 2049. I was like, let me not do this right now. So
1: I was contemplating two towers, but I think I already did that, so I didn't want to do it again. So, um, yeah. so I will go I will go with Blade Runner 2049. Uh, obviously, there's a similarity with Harrison Ford being involved. That's very clear. But that movie kind of does what this movie does, where it is driven entirely by the characters doesn't go to places you thought it would go. It doesn't necessarily answer the questions you thought it would answer, but it asks you new questions instead. And both are just so beautifully shot. Like we didn't really talk about it uh, as much as we should have maybe talked about it, but Empire Strikes Back is arguably the most beautiful of all the Star Wars movies. The shot structure and design is immaculate
0: yeah especially the beginning duel
1: between vader and luke fucking exceptional
0: i mean everything right from hoth it just to go off what you're saying is that even just like talking about expanding the worlds with the planets like even just vision from a visual perspective not just seeing a snowy planet but even just the way it's framed like you just feel like hey here's it's almost like going from full screen to widescreen in a movie it's kind of like hey here's the story you know but like Look at all the wide, the the wide scapes, the wide landscapes, and the, all the des- set designs, and like everything about it is it uh, from a visual perspective, is enormous, and it really is. A, it's a incredibly well shot.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, that's a good place to end this entire discussion. As always, like I said, you, you we could
0: we could do this until um, Kingdom Come, and that's as another always, reason
1: why I was so afraid to go into this movie because I was just yeah. like, we're gonna keep rambling. Um, we
0: could, I know, and and but we don't, you know, people have things to do. So, um, what were we going to say? Where the people can find us?
1: So, as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Letterbox at Mr. Filmart. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Whose Filmography. Josh, where can the people find you? Uh,
0: you can find me on Letterbox under Beesh, as always. Uh, but yes, follow the show on Instagram. That's where we're. Uh, that's where we're doing it. That's we're where a bunch we're of Instagram hoes. And. uh...
1: <laughs> as always we will return next week when we will return next week with the jedi huh yeah what about that terrible terrible ending but that's the way i'm going to end it
0: try not <laughs> we will see you
1: next week